All right, tonight is still International uh, Sunday, and Brother Joseph just got back from visiting Brother Luis this week, and so I asked him to come, give us a report, and preach for us tonight, and I appreciate, appreciate our staff. We have great staff that uh, no matter what subject we're, we're talking about, they can really share with us and encourage and strengthen us and challenge us, and so uh, Brother Joseph's going to come and do that tonight. Let's give him a warm welcome. Thank you, Pastor. And Philippians chapter 4 is where we are tonight. If you can turn there, Philippians chapter number 4. It was a blessing to be in Central America this past week. Visit Brother Luis. We'll talk about that a little bit tonight. So we'll spend about probably 10 minutes watching the time here, uh, giving a little update. And then after that, thank you. Uh, I guess it should be that way. Uh, thank you. Uh, and then after that, we'll, we'll just be very practical. I don't think I'll be very long when it comes to the message. Um, but, but Luis did ask me to, uh, to say hi to y'all, and thank you for just your uh, faithful support here. So let's do a quick update, and I'll just walk step by step here. A picture is worth a thousand words, so let the pictures do uh, more talking than I do. And uh, hopefully by the time we are at the end here, you'll know what's going on there and be able to pray a little bit more effectively for uh, Brother Luis here. So we got there on Thursday, and uh, how many of you have ever been to Pollo Campero? You been there? Okay, that, that's uh, Guatemalan, right? Okay, saw a couple of you there. A couple of you woke up. We talk about food, right? Um, but uh, we had uh, lunch with Brother Luis, and we took that road right there, uh, right there into the city. Uh, interesting thought, that road, Pastor, is actually Highway 1. So you can take Pacific Coast Highway all the way down, wrap east uh, through Mexico, and go down into Central America, and that is right there. And so we, we started off with uh, just some good fellowship, and we we're reminiscing about our college days, and if I can say this to the college students, uh, give yourselves to ministry while you are in Bible college now. And by the way, teenagers too. Uh, it was a blessing talking to Brother Luis just about college and ministry, and if we think that, well, one day I'm going to serve the Lord, that day's never going to come. Uh, if you're in Bible college students for just a second, um, serve God right now. Flipping the tassel is not going to make you missionary material. It's not going to make you a servant of God. Uh, what you're doing right now in ministry, in your Sunday school class, on your bus route, in your nursery, whatever God's called you to do, that's what you ought to be giving yourself to right now. So it's such a blessing. Brother Luis and I go way back. Actually, uh, it was a blessing during this meal right here, uh, talking to Miss Juana, and, and I wasn't thinking about it, but she said, you know, uh, Joseph, she said, I remember when you and, and another college student knocked on my door. Actually, I think we were fresh. No, I don't, we weren't. Actually, we were teenagers. Knocked on her door over on New York Street, and her home was a mess. I don't think that all the children were in the home. There were social services and whatnot. She said, I remember. I remember that day when you knocked on our door, and now she's a missionary. By the way, bus ministry works. Soul winning works. Going out into our city and reaching people with the gospel, it works. And right there at that table, we talked about that. Years later, her and their and their four kids, and so anyways, it was a great time, and uh, if you look here, this is the entrance right off the one uh, highway there, the, I think it's called the Inter-American or Pan-American uh, Highway there, There's the, that's the center of Central America uh, going into his town, and that's the road that goes right up to Quilapa, which is the city in the state of Santa Rosa where they are. I'll show you this. Uh, this, right there on the right, you see that building right there, that is where they currently have their church, and, and you'll see some pictures there uh, in just a moment. There on the left, 
you see their church sign leading into the alley. And Pastor, it said, I, I'm not going to try to read that in Spanish, but, but, uh, but Luis said, he said, you know, I'd, I'd really like to be called Pacific Baptist Church of Quilapa. He said, but I never got permission from Pastor Myers to do that. I said, I said, I don't think Pastor would mind. I think our people would think it's endearing if you said Pacific Baptist. So I said, I'll ask Pastor. So this is a public service announcement. Yes, Brother Luis, I think he's watching right now. And so they officially changed their name. He's going to have to get a new sign right after this message, right? Now I told him about, uh, I told him about the, 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 the franchise fee. And so he, he said he'll try to put that on his next a prayer update, but so, so that's that, and uh, if you see right next to it, between the two bigger buildings, there's, a, there's two windows right after the bigger building, that's also their property, upstairs is the auditorium, downstairs is where they have the nursery and that white door right there, right here you see, uh, this is the new property right across the alley that they just purchased within the last, I, I think, two years, and thank you as a church, I think we gave, I don't know, Pastor, five, ten, eleven thousand dollars to help purchase this property. They just got this fence. They just got the gate up. And so it's going to be used for Sunday school space uh, and eventually uh, to, to build another building right there to accommodate the people that they have coming. So that's, that's what we just saw. This is the new building. And then uh, if you are standing up in the auditorium of that building we just looked, looking down, that's looking into the new property. You see a retaining wall. They just ran the water, just ran the conduit for uh, electrical, and they're doing some leveling and whatnot. Now, if, if you'd like to take a couple-day missions trip and you've got, you're handy with your hands, if you can do concrete, I'm not throwing, I'm not throwing Brother Rawls' name out there or anything like that, uh, but if you can do concrete or anything like that, there's a punch list of things that he could do, but if you have skills and you'd like to do that, I'm sure you could help with that. There's siding, there's drywall, there's just a bunch of stuff that can get done there to help push that forward. That night after we got there, so, so we took a red eye, uh, we, we, we did lunch, did a little tour through the city, and then we had the midweek service. And this is their midweek service. Uh, just a blessing. Sweet Spirit, that's the nursery with Miss Juana downstairs. And I don't know if you're going to be able to see this. They had over 30 in attendance, which, by the way, there are a lot of churches in America for a midweek service. They'd love to have 30 in attendance uh, for a midweek. And so um, just, just some faithful families, um, some solid people that we were able to spend some time with. Uh, just a sweet spirit, good response to the preaching there, and that's, that's uh, we'll, we'll skip this for sake of time. Now, if you know how they do it there, they, they, don't, um, they don't abide by the, uh, let's see what you see here. They don't abide by the laws. They pack them in there, and so uh, I'm not going to do That's for Luis's daughter right there, Kayla, not Kyla. I uh, got corrected on the last day uh, there on that. And so let's look here. Now, so, so we had a good service Thursday night. Friday, we're going to have a bonfire. They've never seen a bonfire before, and so you say, where do they go? This is their... Northgate, right? Uh, this is, you want to go to Northgate? They, they butcher the cow in the morning. Uh, first thing in the morning, you got fresh meat. It doesn't get any fresher than that. And so they said you can come early before it gets hot and the meat's been hanging there for a while. Anyways, uh, I'm showing you that for a reason. Uh, Friday night, it was kind of an outreach opportunity. And we had a bonfire. Uh, where's Brother Jim? New spot, because someone down here took your spot. So now you guys are up there, right? Is that what it is? Oh, okay. Oh, i got to keep an eye on him. That's right. Um, so we, we're going to do a little outreach. Those of us that cook for the church know, know how it is. There's a lot of prep that goes into it. So we show up. I think Brother Luis is watching right now. Uh, we show up, and it's about 15 minutes, Brother Dan, before we start the, uh, the bonfire. And he says, all right, anybody volunteer to cook? Thinking, we got, we got the meat here. And I'm telling you, uh, he said, we're probably going to have 30 people. No, we had over 50 people show up. So, so and, and you'll see this uh, here in just a moment. Um, 
We were supposed to start eating at 6 o'clock. The food wasn't ready till 7.20. And, and it's a blessing that people in third world countries, they are not time-oriented, right? They are events-oriented. So they don't watch the clock. Nobody's pulling out their, their Apple Watch and seeing everybody just hanging out. But we had a great time. We really did. And uh, I, I'm sure, I'm sure we experienced a miracle because we planned for 30 and it was one bucket of meat. No, no, the meat was about this size and about that high. There wasn't that much there. And I thought, there's no way we're feeding all these people. There's absolutely no way. And so we're pulling it out, and we're cooking it, and we're cooking it. And I'm thinking, God's multiplying this thing because there's absolutely no way we have that much meat. And there were 12 pieces left. No, there weren't. <laughs> there was one piece left over, literally one piece. And so it was a great, great time there. And you, you see the crowd there. It's not everybody, but that captures kind of how it was. Over 50 people in attendance. There were 12 first-time visitors that had never been to the church before. Ten of those, uh, nine or ten adults, all were able to hear the gospel. We shared the gospel that night. And some of the visitors came to church this past Sunday. Praise the Lord for a good time there. Uh, we did a lot of uh, soul winning visitation while we were there. I'll say this. Brother Louise does not mess around when it comes to soul winning. Pastor, on, on Saturday, we did 11 straight hours. So we took a lunch. 11 hours of soul winning and visitation. And I was, I was convicted by the time I was done. Uh, but you see how it is. If you've been to Asia, very similar. Uh, the, kind of the village. Where's Brother Bobby? Right there. Y'all just came back from the Philippines, right? Some of these pictures are probably similar to, the, to, to what you see when you're there. But uh, it's third world, you see that? That was our soul winning group. Uh, lady on the left, while we were there, uh, bowed her head, trusted Christ. And good prospect there. And, and, and I'll just go through some of these pictures for sake of time. You see going up a, a little village trail there. Another village house there just made out of uh, just aluminum or whatever that is. Um, these are two ladies that have been coming for just about a year now. And they've been growing. And so we were able to go into their house and encourage them. And you see some more uh, soul winning pictures. This was the last picture we took. So we started first thing in the morning. So, all right, we're going to get an early start. And uh, this, is a, this is a very nice house. Actually, a lady that worked at the consulate in Atlanta uh, for three years and a good prospect. And so we were able to spend some time with her. And she has a house overlooking the city. And so it was late. I think it was past 8 o'clock when we were there. And uh, but Luis, you know, he, he's it's, it's about spiritual food here, right? And we're thinking, we want some physical food too. And uh, Brother Chris Pena went with us, the true story. And uh, right after this visit, we still had two more visits. We're thinking it's going to be pushing ten o'clock by the time we're done here. And um, so, so we're driving, and Chris says, "Is that is that tortillas that I smell?" And, and I kid you not, Chris, is this true? Tell me if it's true. <laughs> we were over a sewer. <laughs> It smelled like trash. We said, you're so hungry, it's phantom smell. So I don't know if he was having a phantom smell or if that was a hint to Brother Luis that, hey, it's, we're hungry. We've been out here for a long time. Can we stop and get some food? But uh, I went out for 11 hours. We just had a great time. Saw, saw people saved, saw prospects, and followed up on some really, really good prospects for the church. And so that was, that was then. If you follow me on social media, you know that I was scheduled to preach up the mountain at a, uh, a village church for a church building dedication service on Sunday. Last Sunday, I'm preparing my message, and it's two hours later, so it's earlier here, and I get a knock at the door where we're staying, a little guest house, and Brother Luis says, he says, no pressure, he says, but um, uh, our two tires blew out on, um, on one of our guy's uh, trucks, he has a big truck, and they're going to load everybody, a trash truck, you, you know how his brother too, right, just load everybody in the back however you can, so we're short a vehicle, 
and we're short a driver, and I want to know if you'd be willing to drive up the mountain in my 1994 stick shift Camry, and this is a picture of it right here, and so, uh, I, I, uh, alert, I don't have a Guatemalan uh, license, but for the sake of the ministry, I'm there to be a blessing, we did it, and uh, so uh, you see on the right, that's the view uh, with, with the cracks in the windshield going back down the mountain there. And uh, you see the handle there. It's missing the handle. It's missing the, the, the lock and whatnot. But hey, you say, did you make it? No. Well, yes, we did. We're still here today. But uh, so next, I, I want you to see this here. You see that, uh, you see that rear view mirror? mirror? If you've ever driven in a third world country, you, you know that the, the cha- lane changes are just crazy, right? The traffic's crazy. Going through the little streets. Oh, those streets are small. They're on a hill. You know, you're, you're in a stick shift. You got to make sure you're not rolling back into people. But Brother Luis comes to me when I'm getting ready to drive and I'm trying to adjust the mirrors and he has sticks in his hand. And actually, he has one stick. He says, hey, brother. He says, here's your, um, says, Here, this is your uh, switch for your rear view mirror. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, he says, yeah, so you just jam it in like this. He goes, now you're going up the mountain, so it's bound to fall out, so here's four more just in case. And so <laughs> that was the drive up the mountain, and we had a great time there. There were two other vehicles uh, that, that went with us. He said the one that Brother Luis drove. Now, he gave himself the 4 by 4 I don't know what that was about. He gave me the little Camry, and then there's another uh, nice one uh, there on the right. That's when we got up to uh, the mountain where we were going to preach. The village is just up the hill past that structure right there. Now, I'll show you this. So on the way up, Brother Luis was behind me. On the way back, he said, ask Brother Luis is before God. He says, now, he's on the way back. He says, I'm going to be in front of you. He says, really steep. Make sure you go down in first, first gear. This is the same mountain where missionary crashed, sun died, whatnot. I told you about that last year during missions revival. So pretty steep, pretty windy. He says, so, he says, just in case your brakes give way, I have a four by four and you can just slam into me and you won't go off the mountain. And, and then he says, hey, you know, brother, I'm not, I'm not trying to scare you, but I, sometimes I've got to tell you the truth. So, well, thank you very much. I appreciate an honest missionary. So uh, that was on the way back. But we had a sweet service. Great time up there uh, for the dedication. And uh, you see us preaching there. And then uh, this, is, this is the pastor that we preached for, good, good friend of Brother Luis's. And, and he's been just a real blessing when Brother Luis got to the country, helping him get settled in and whatnot. That's him, his wife, and one of their faithful members singing there. He's the same missionary I spoke of last time that crashed going down the mountain, lost the baby, and, and, and his wife and, and daughter got hurt pretty good there. But he's still going faithfully. Right after that, we were able to uh, have some lunch with the people there. And I'll just talk about a couple people, uh, not everybody, of course, for sake of time, but I'm going to come back to this guy because we'll see him in a minute. Right there in the center at the bonfire, the guy's name is uh, Gustavo, and uh, he's, he's, he's new. He's an assistant, he's the assistant to a national senator down in the Capitol, and so he drives to the Capitol every day. Anyhow, he's the one that brought 10 visitors uh, to that bonfire that night. Good prospect, been coming just for, I want to say, I want to say three months, if I'm not mistaken, maybe a little shorter than that, but if you can pray for Gustavo just to be faithful, he seems to have a lot of influence in that area, and and who knows how God can use his influence for the furtherance of the gospel there in that city. That's his son with the green ball next to him, and then uh, Alex is right there, one of the faithful teenagers. He was with us almost 24-7 just to help and a blessing there. Uh, If you look here, oh, I forget uh, forget his name, Uh, but the guy with the hat peeking in, uh, he's a, they're a couple that, that have been coming for a while now, and about two weeks ago, they came to Brother Luis, they've been doing discipleship, and they've been living together, I believe they have a, a little boy, and they said, you know, through the preaching and discipleship time, 
we've come to realize that we need to get married. And if we're going to go forward, we need to get married. We shouldn't be living together like this. And so Brother Louis said, well, first, get, let's, let's, let's take care of things legally, and let's, let's have a wedding at the church. And so two weeks ago, when I was FaceTiming him, they had a wedding, they got married uh, to do things the Bible way. Praise the Lord for that. By the way, how do you know people are, are, are growing spiritually when they do things like that? Right? It's one thing to, to hear the preaching. It's another thing uh, to, to just continue living the way that you're living. Right? We believe come as you are, but we don't preach stay as you were. Right? The, the gospel and the word of God ought to change the way that we live. And we hear and we know and the Holy Spirit speaks to us about what's right and what's not right. We ought to put that thing into practice in our lives. And so praise the Lord for that. Next, this is Laura and uh, Michelle. It's funny. They have a lot of... Uh, what's your name? Ian. What's your name? No, Joe. Hamilton. What's your name? <laughs> Stephen. <laughs> okay, all right. They love American names there. But Laura and Michelle, and, and her, her daughter works in, 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 uh, for a judge there in town. Her other daughter is the, uh, the one that works for the consulate there. Anyhow, seems to have a lot of influence. She's been coming. She said, you know, four years ago, there was only one independent Baptist church in, in this entire town. Some things went down, and, and, and so we stopped going. We haven't been going to church for four years. Every single other church has the strobe lights. They believe you can lose your salvation, um, and, and they're, 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 they're Pentecostal, and, or the whole nine yards. She said, and, and so I just stopped going to church altogether until I found out about your church, and she visited. She said, this is exactly what I've been looking for. So after four years of no church, she said, I'd almost rather not go to church than go to a church with false doctrine or, or the steam and the uh, pirates, all that stuff. And so she found the church, and she's been coming pretty faithfully now. Praise the Lord for that. And that, that there's a church in that city. This was the driver, very faithful family, and uh, he, he drove us around everywhere that we went. He's been safe for a while. He's another one that uh, they were just together forever. And through the preaching and through discipleship, they decided we want to do things the Bible way. They got married, and now they're serving. Very good, a lot of potential for him to be instrumental in the work there in Guatemala. And you see some other faithful people there in the back. That's Brother Luis's mom. Man, she's, she's so sweet to us. Whenever, the, the, the two times that we were there, she's every morning, she's breakfast and coffee and the whole night, just sweet, just faithful. She lives right next door to the church. I want you to see this one. This is a village up the road. There's a certain stretch of road that's known to be dangerous. And so these people, being poor, they ride bikes, so they ride the tuk-tuks. And so they don't really have transportation. So rather than them come at nighttime and have a dangerous trek, Brother Luis, not too long ago, started going to this village to bring a little ministry there. So if you would pray for this village ministry, this is, there's a lot of potential there. But I will say this. Let's pray for laborers. Our other missionaries in different parts of the world have a team. Here's just Brother Luis and his family, right? So he's going to leave his church on Sunday and go. But pray for that. A lot of potential there at that village You'll see a, a choir time. Next, you see a baby dedication. I'm moving quickly here. You see some of the girls, including some of Brother Luis's daughters there. You see Luis, he's, he's getting older, uh, teaching a little kid's class on Sunday. And they get rain uh, a lot more than we do there uh, next. And so that's them doing soul winning. I like Brother Luis. When he was here in the States, he used to do that street preaching thing over here on Long Beach Boulevard, right? And uh, so he said, I'm going to go soul winning right in front of the Catholic Church. If the Catholic Church is the biggest thing in our, in our community, I'm going to go soul winning. That's their family, soul winning in front of the Catholic Church. And, and so that's the last slide that we have. A great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. And I'd ask you to pray. Just pray for Brother Luis and the ministry there. Uh, I think there's a great potential for him to really do a great work in that part of the world. Um, but you know that anytime God starts to work, there are going to be adversaries, right? Uh, when you take a step of faith, when we take a step of faith, and by the way, we ought to be progressing in our faith, right? 
Not, not stay stagnant. What happens if we stay stagnant? You're going to start backpedaling, right? You're going to start backsliding. And so we ought not to uh, be stagnant. But every time you take a step into Satan's territory, what's going to happen? You know he's going to do, do what he can to stop it. Uh, Brother Luis told me some, I'm getting ahead of my message here, but Brother Luis told me some spiritual warfare stories in real time that, Pastor, if I shared them behind the pulpit, a bunch of people would go home and turn their nightlight on tonight. Just real stuff, real in his house, and in, in his mission, on, in, on the mission field. You say, why is that? Well, you know that part of the world to have ancient Mayan ruins and whatnot. Satan's had a stronghold in that part of the world for maybe 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years. He's not going to let his grips off of that area very easily. But you got a man and his family that are solid on the gospel and loving people and making a difference. And so there are many adversaries. Pray for them there, if you would. Uh, there's a local church in town, again, uh, poor doctrine and, and whatnot. And this is, Brother Romero, this is their uh, uh, spring program, a summer program. They said, everybody who brings a visitor gets a prize. But if you can get a visitor from Brother Luis's church, you get a double prize. <laughs> you see what they think about that type of church that stands strong on the word of God in that area. And so there are, there's a great door open, but there are many adversaries. And so I'm going to be very brief, and I'm, glad, I'm watching the time here. Let's go to Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter number 4, if we can. I do know we're going to take uh, faith promise for those of us that were out and serving today. So, again, I'll keep t- tabs on the time. Philippians chapter 4, we'll start in verse number 10. Now, I'm not a missionary, I'm not an expert on missions, but I've tried to read and, and communicate with our missionaries. Two books that I've read, one's called The Pioneer Sender, uh, and, and another one that's called Missionary Partnership, both by like-minded men. Um, they, they, they've said this. If we are going to be a church that sends missionaries, we have a responsibility. Pastor talked about the word responsibility today. We have a responsibility to those that we've sent out to be an encouragement and to hold the ropes, as Pastor mentioned today, right? If we are going to send people to the field, we as the home church have a responsibility to hold the ropes of those that are going down into the pit. Right here, Paul, probably the greatest missionary the world has ever seen, is right into a supporting church. This is a church that he used to attend. He used to preach at. He used to be a part of. And so right here, in Philippians chapter 4, he's writing a, if you would, a thank you note, a thank you letter. He starts in verse 1 with a thank you letter. And in in chapter 4, he's sharing what he's thankful for. We're going to pick up in verse number 10 where he says, I rejoice greatly when you, my supporting church, do a few things. And so tonight, as a church that has sent many to the mission field, I want to look at things that rejoice our missionaries. I just want to encourage us for a couple moments. The things that bring joy to the missionaries and encourage them as they're doing the work, let's continue to do those things right here at home. Look here at chapter 4. Verse number 10. Actually, I'm going to do this. I'm going to skip the introduction, and I'm going to get right into it. What causes the missionaries to rejoice? And we'll jump right into it. Number one, number one, when they feel that we care. When they feel that we care. Not just that we do care, but when they feel that we care. Let's look at Philippians chapter 4, verse number 10. He says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last, and he says, at last. Why does he say that? It seems like there had been a 
time that had passed from the last time they had sent support to this time for whatever reason. He said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished. Wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. He said, I know how to be content. I'm not complaining. I'm not saying that I, I, I lack or I want. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, like Brother Chris was uh, on top of that sewer over there. Um, I was hungry too and I was glad that you know what, you took one for the team, Chris. I'm glad. If you didn't say it, we'd probably still be visiting to this, to right now, right? And so, uh, both to abound and to suffer and to suffer need. It seems that this church had showed their care early on, but a season had gone, gone by where there was no tangible show of their care to the Apostle Paul. And as, but as soon as they had an opportunity that arose to show their care, they jumped at that opportunity. You know, one thing that causes missionaries to rejoice, and Brother Two, you can tell me if I'm wrong, is when you know that you're supporting churches, care. Missionaries are, are, are very content. They wouldn't be on the field if they weren't content. The Sutricks have learned to adapt to the scorpions that get in their shoes, the mountain elevation, the mosquito nets where when we were there, you don't just sleep on a bed. You always have to have a net. And when I rolled over next to the net, I had mosquito bites all the way down this side of my body. They've learned to adapt to that. They've learned to adapt to the witch doctors and the seances and all the witchcraft that goes on. Brother Hernandez and his family, they've learned to adapt to, they have no, cold, no hot water. Remember that. When you hop in the hot shower tonight, they have no hot water. Not for the kids, not for his wife, they don't. In fact, their pressure right now is... So bad, brother, too, that they have to carry in buckets of water from the tank three times a day. But they've learned to adapt. They don't complain about it. They've learned to adapt to the dengue fever. They've learned to adapt to the tropical diseases. They've learned to adapt to the bacteria that gets into their stomach and causes sickness semi-regularly. They've learned to adapt. They don't complain. The boards have learned to adapt to the cobra that was in their backyard. The Vongs have learned to adapt. He's the water guy, right, Brother Vong? Pumping in water and doing the whole night. He's learned to adapt to deal with that whole thing. They've learned to adapt to the arsenic that's in their water that has to get filtered out every time they bring it into their house. They rarely, if ever, complain. They've learned how, when it's lonely, just to go to God and find companionship in the Lord. They've learned how to be abased. They've learned how to suffer those things that come in a third world culture. However, as the Apostle Paul said, I know how to, how to adapt. I know how to partake in all those things. But it's sure nice to know that my supporting church cares. And I want to encourage us as a church. Let's be a church that cares. But not just that cares, that shows our care. You say, well, when can we show we care? Right here, Paul, the Apostle Paul says it. He says, you showed me you cared, and now you cared as soon as there was an opportunity. When can we care? Anytime. We see an opportunity to show that we care. We can get behind that opportunity. Brother Tongdi, pastors mentioned it. Uh, Brother Tongdi, he's he just left both of his children behind in the states. I've heard that's hard on a missionary. He left the ministry that he was a part of for the last decade to go start a new uh, a new ministry. How about if we just really get behind this special offering, right, and send a bunch of his people to youth conference? What if he doesn't have to dip into his own savings account? 
to help. He told me, I think 5,000 to 5,500 is what it costs, and then those kids are maybe paying two bucks. I think they pay two bucks or three bucks for registration. That, that probably doesn't even cover their t-shirts that they hand out, let alone the food and the, and the rentals and all that. What if he didn't have to dip into his own savings account? Because we as a church family, his supporters, we say, you know what? We're not there, as Pastor said a moment ago, but we do care about what's going on over there. And as much as lies within us, we have an opportunity to show our missionaries that we care. Let's care. And let's show them we care by taking advantage of this opportunity. You say, well, I feel like we just gave to Brother Tongdi 20 grand uh, uh, last year. Yeah, we did. You say, I feel like there's always going to be something else coming up. As long as they are making a difference, something else is going to come up. But we as, an, as a church, as we have opportunity, let's get behind it. Let's care. And let's show that we care. Brother Board talked about, uh, Brother Board's talked about uh, uh, kids that need sponsored uh, to go to school. Brother Luis could use a van. Brother Tongdi could use a van. There's no shortage of needs. But as you see those prayer, uh, those, those prayer updates on Thursday nights, and God puts it on your heart, there's an opportunity. Let's care. And let's show that we care. I'm moving for sake of time here. Uh, I, before I went to uh, Guatemala this time, I just put on social media really quick, Pastor. You don't have Instagram. I know you don't want to get depressed or angry or anything like that. You're on Twitter. Um, but uh, a lot of our people are. I just put real quick on, on social media, on Instagram, and said, hey, but Luis could use a phone. He, he, he's using this old Android that freezes up and dies all the time. Real quick. I said, you know, if there's anybody here at the church, that, anybody that has one, and you can donate, you want to, you want to send it with me? Pastor, within 12 hours, I had five iPhone uh, offers. Right? And I was going to take them all, sell the other four, and offer up and, and, and give. <laughs> I only took one, all right? Thank you. I actually had somebody that used to go to our church that's still faithful in another state say, I have four iPhones. If you want to take them all, I'll ship them right now. You say, what is that? By the way, thank you. And if someone wanted to stay anonymous, thank you. A nice, a nice iPhone Pro with, with 200 or 56 or 512 gigabytes. Man, that's going to be a blessing to, to, to Brother Louise. You say, what is that? There was an opportunity to show that we cared, and a bunch of people jumped on that opportunity to show that we cared. Thank you for doing that. But Luis's laptop died, and Pastor Campa caught wind of it. Pastor said, why don't you see if the Spanish want to pitch in? The Spanish pitched in. We were able to take a laptop to Brother Luis. You say, what is that? There's an opportunity to show that we care, and a bunch of people pitched in and showed that we cared. The Apostle Paul said, what can we do? Show that you care. Show that you care. Number, number two, and we're moving quickly here. Let's look at verse number 13. When they hear our communication. Number one, when they, they feel our care. Number two, when they hear our communication. Let's look at verse 13. Oh, it's throwing me off back there. Verse 13, the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. By the way, amen to that. Now, I've never put these two verses together until I was studying for this message the following verse goes right along with it. It's very interesting. The Apostle Paul, the great preacher, the great missionary, he says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Look at the next verse. He says, notwithstanding, or but, but besides that fact, by the way, not to minimize God's power, he says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. He says, but ye have done well that ye did communicate with my affliction. He said, you know what's nice to have God on my side? But it's also nice to have some people that have camaraderie with me with whatever I'm going through. 
He said, it's great to have the Lord. It's great to be able to do all things through him. But it's nice to know that there's someone standing with you no matter what you go through. It's nice to know there's a group of people back at my supporting church that are standing with me in this work. You know, I've talked to our missionaries in probably one of the greatest ways. I'm going to wrap it up pretty quick here. Uh, One of the greatest ways that we we can be an encouragement to them is communicate with them. We live, we have no excuse. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much shall be required, right? We live in a day and age where it's very easy, easier than any other time in history, to stay in the loop with what's going on with the missionaries that we've sent out to the foreign field, right? There's no excuse for us not to communicate with them. Let's look here. That word, communi- that word communicate, I understand it talks about giving. I get that. But it also talks about fellowship. It talks about camaraderie. Probably, and again, brother, too, you could probably relate with this. Uh, we'll tell missionaries when they're here, you're our heroes, and I'll never forget you. And then it can get pretty quiet on the field, can it? He doesn't want to shake his head, but uh, I, I talk to missionaries. It can get pretty quiet on the field. Two areas of communication. I'm going to pick up the pace here. Number one, communication with the missionary. Uh, I want to encourage us, when we have the missionary of the week up here, how about a bunch of people from the church every single Thursday or Friday take that home and send a, send a note to the missionary and say, hey, you know what? We prayed for you in church last night. We're thinking about you. We communicate with the missionary. I, I, I promise you, it'll make a difference. How about this? This is novel. How about read the prayer letters? Read the prayer letters. Uh, next. How about a simple, I mean, if, if we're going to be on Twitter and, sorry, Pastor, Instagram, God forbid, TikTok. I said, God forbid, TikTok, but that's beside the point. Uh, if we're going to be on social media anyways, and we're going to be DMing people and posting stuff and endlessly scrolling, how about take about 30 seconds and pick up the, the, the DM and say, you know what, Brother Board, uh, I, we, I thought about you today, right? How about following our missionaries, and instead of seeing you know, how to cook or how to do whatever we're all watching out here, how about follow our missionaries and stay in the loop on what's going on with them and have some camaraderie with what's going on on the mission field? Not just communication with the missionaries. Here's one. This is as, if not more important. How about communication with the Lord for our missionaries? Like I said, some of those stories, Pastor, they're hard to believe. If Brother Luis didn't look me in the eye and say, this stuff happens at my house, or this stuff happens on the mission field, or this stuff happens with some of the people, uh, I wouldn't believe it. Spiritual warfare, right? And, 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 and then there's loneliness and whatnot. Um, probably one of the greatest things that we can do as a supporting church, is, besides give, give, and give, is pray for our missionaries. Here's a question. Which missionaries have we prayed for this week? I want to read a story. Uh, I have it here. One story was told at a farewell meeting which made a deep impression on all present and touched a note which sounded through the go-forths, missionaries to China, I believe, whole career. Listen to this. This is so important here. There was a young couple that was bidding farewell to their home church as they were about to leave for the African field known as the white man's grave. So what was happening, there was a young couple that was going to the mission field and they were leaving their country church and as they left, here it is. The missionary stood up and he said, My wife and I have a strange dread in going. We feel much as if we were going down into a pit. We are willing to take the risk and go if you, our home church, promise to hold the ropes. One and all in the church promise, we will hold the ropes. Less than two years passed when the wife and the little one that God had given them succumbed to a dreaded fever. They died. 
Soon the husband realized his days too were numbered. He was discouraged, depressed, despondent, and failing in the ministry. Not wanting to send word home to his coming, he started back at once and arrived at the hour of the Wednesday night prayer meeting. He slipped into the back, but unnoticed. He took a seat. At the close of the meeting, he went forward. And awe came over the people for the death that was written on his face. He said this. He said, I am your missionary. My wife and children are buried in Africa. I have come home to die. This evening, I listened anxiously as you prayed for some mention of your missionary to see if you were keeping your promise to hold the ropes. But it was in vain. You prayed for everything connected to yourself and to your home church, but you forgot the missionary. I see now why I am a failure as a missionary. It's because you have failed to hold the ropes. Now, I'm thankful that we don't have a church like that, and in so many ways we do hold the ropes. There's an alternate story of James Frazier, who was, go, who was on the mission field. I'm hastening here. He was discouraged. He was struggling. And he wrote a letter home similar to this dialogue. The letter was received by a lady in the ladies' missionary circle. She got that letter and she read it, and that letter was summed up to this extent. And the extent said something like, I'm discouraged, I'm thinking about quitting. And if you as my home church don't really pray, I'm coming home. One lady got six other ladies, seven ladies. They went into a room, they said, we are going to get a hold of God for our missionary. And every single week from that point on, they got together and they prayed for the missionary. And if you know James Frazier, he went from being a failure on the mission field to doing a great work. You say, why? He attributed it to seven ladies in a room praying for him, getting a hold of God on his behalf. Can we do that for our missionaries? Not just communicate with them, but go to God and communicate to God for them and on their behalf. Let's hold the ropes in communication. Number one, let's show we care. Number two, let's communicate. And number three, when they see our commitment. I'm going to close with this. Look at verse number 15. Verse number 15. So now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed, look here, in the beginning of this part of his missionary journey, no church communicated with me as far as giving and receiving, but ye only. He said, man, y'all gave. Thank you for that. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. He said, you gave, and you gave, and you gave, and you gave. Look at verse 17. Not that I desire a gift, but that I desire fruit that may abound to your account. I'm going to skip some stuff here. Uh, if we are going to be an encouragement to the missionaries, it's going to be when they feel our care, when they hear our communication, and then finally when they see our commitment. They see our commitment. Um, first of all, there's commitment in giving. He says it right there. I want to encourage us. Let's be faithful with our faith promise this year. Uh, not till September, right, Pastor? Not till September that we have our... If, if we made a commitment last year, let's keep that commitment. And by the way, if God's blessed us, maybe we can give a little bit more. Maybe we can give a little bit more. Wouldn't it be great to see those 19 nationals, Pastor, taken on? They're already doing the work, but be able to do it to a greater extent because the home church supported with our commitments and giving. But what caused him to rejoice, the Apostle Paul? He said, your commitment and giving. He said, you gave and you gave. At the beginning, you gave. When I had a need, you gave. A time and again, you gave. He said, and even now, you're still giving. Let's be a church just like that. Not that just gave yesteryear. Not that gave as the need came, but that continues to give and give and give. Let's be a church that gives and stays committed to it. And then finally, and I'm done. Pastor touched on this this morning. I'm closing my Bible. There's hope right there. It's right there. 
He said, you were committed in your giving. He said, but you were also committed in your living. You say, what's an encouragement to the missionary? When they see a church that continues sticking by the stuff every time they come back. It's not, it's not enough to send our money to the missionaries. We ought to be soul winners right here at home. By the way, we don't just want a pure doctrinal church that's salty and bright and shining brightly in Asia or Central America or Thailand or Laos or Vietnam or Cambodia or all the missionaries that we support. It's not enough. We've got to be salty and bright and keep things going strong here at home. The missionary said, I, think it, I forget who it was, pastor up in Canada, where he said, the church that sends forth or shines the, shines the brightest is the one that shines brightest at home. Right? And let's be committed here. Uh, there was a missionary pastor. You know him. I think they talked to you. They came home from the mission field not too long ago. This is dangerous. I'm picking my Bible back up. Uh, they came home from the mission field, and the church had changed. The wife went, and she went in a dress to, to, to an activity, and all the ladies came around her, and they said, they said, why are you judging us? And I'm not going to go through the whole story. Uh, she said, I'm not judging anything. I'm just showed, showing up here. Uh, but what happened? The church had changed. And they said, man, I come back from the field and I feel, like, I feel like I'm homeless as far as the church is concerned. What rejoices the missionary when the home church stays strong on doctrine, stays strong on soul winning, stays strong on who we ought to be? And by the way, if we're going to rejoice the missionaries, let's commit to giving. Let's be faithful there, but let's also commit to living the way that God wants us to live. And, and, and by the way, if we do that, we'll continue to do the things that we've been doing for the last 30 plus years. And God will use this church for his glory to the nations. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. Pastor.